The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Grammy Award winner Larnell Harris. He was a bootlegger, you know what I mean? He, he, that's how he made his living. And I was a little guy and I could sell you a pint just as good as he could out in front of our house. So I could, I, as I sat and listened to her pray for my dad, mm. not understanding everything, not, not getting all this, even I knew that he didn't have a chance. here with Randy Robertson, and I have to tell you, I'm excited about today. I know you are, I know you are. You know, there's certain times in life where you maybe, you hear a voice for the first time, mm -hmm. and you kind of stop and tune in and think, oh my gosh. Well, I remember hearing that voice at um, a place called Estes Park in Colorado. I was a very new singer coming over from the UK, and I was very nervous, and I suddenly this guy got up on stage and began to sing. And not only was I blown away by his voice, I was blown away by the presence of Christ in his voice. So I am thrilled today that Randy and I get to welcome Larnell Harris to the oh, show. Awesome. Thank you. Good, Good, to you. Good to see you again. Yeah, me well. too, Larnell. Me too. You. you know, I found it so interesting because you've written this book called Shaped Notes, how ordinary people with extraordinary gifts influenced my life and career. And it was so fascinating for me to to hear the backstory, you, you mentioned names that like Thurlow Spur. I mean, gosh, yes. he had such an impact on so many lives. Really started uh, on contemporary Christian music. Yeah, I was in a group called the Spurlows, I and remember. we, we yeah. traveled all over the country. We were doing driver education safety programs for the Chrysler Corporation. <laughs> we would do sometimes two and three concerts a day, and um, at night we would invite the kids to our. Uh, uh, spiritual concert at night where we could give our testimonies. Our follow-up was done by the Billy Graham organization. Really? We wow. saw, we, in the daytime, we would invite the kids to come to the concert, and we saw many a young person come to the Lord as a result of that ministry, and wow. a lot of that's credited to Thurlow Spur. Wow, Good friend. What, a, what a hero. <laughs> you, How old were you? Sorry, Randy. Oh, go ahead. How old were you when you realized, I can sing? You know what, uh, probably um, uh, young enough to be teased, that was the thing. I was a boy soprano, mm. and you just didn't sing. You know, that wasn't what you did. Um, the ladies in the church choir would just cry when they'd hear me sing the hymns and stuff, you know. But the kids my own age would just laugh and throw things. It was not, not funny. But I met a lady by the name of Miss Georgie Dunahigh, and Miss Georgie taught piano lessons to every kid in town, whether they wanted them or not. I didn't, I didn't want them. <laughs> But Adam A. Harris wanted me to want him. That's my mom. And um, she found out I could carry a tune. And she started to take me around to various little things, uh, little events there in Danville, Kentucky. 
And with her playing the piano and me in that uh, little Texas tie with those, the strings hanging off the end of it, I did my first concert at nine years old wow. in the First Baptist Church, Danville, Kentucky. They took an offering and they pat the plate passed my mom and me. And I said, Mom, I think we're rich. And <laughs> I never understood why she didn't think that was funny, but she did not. But uh, that was my first concert with Miss Georgia playing the piano. Wow. So the thing that, the thing that struck me in, in the telling of your, sort of your life, a part of it anyway, mm is that you didn't grow up necessarily in the stereotypical Christian home. I mean, there, it was there, but your, your father wasn't always serving the Lord. No, he was not, and my mom prayed for him, and I used to sit at her knee. I was a little guy, probably four or five years old, really didn't understand all the dynamics mm. of grown-up relationships, and, uh, and they were having quite a, quite a rocky one. But I would sit and listen to her pray. She was a Pentecostal holiness lady. She wore that white dress with them big buttons running down the front. And boy, she'd flat run over you in a service. You, you'd be asking her to leave, I gotta tell you. She'd get to praising the Lord and shouting and, and uh, something else. So I could, I, as I sat and listened to her pray for my dad, mm. not understanding everything, not, not getting all this, even I knew that he didn't have a chance. <laughs> you know, he became and uh, he became a Christian, uh, became um, from a from a background that was. Uh, well, let me just say that he broke some cycles. Some people would call that a generational curse. He was, he was a bootlegger. You know what I mean? He, he that's how he made his living. And I was a little guy, and I could sell you a pint just as good as he could out in front of our house. I've never read that in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> Left that part out. But I have to tell you, uh, he did become a Christian, uh, became a deacon in our church, even more, became the spiritual head of our home. Mm. And mm. guess what little boy needed to see yeah. that? Me. Yeah, I believe that All my dad, boys. that's right, my yeah. dad, who... Uh, I probably finished the eighth grade, my mom, probably the third. Um, they are my heroes uh, because they allowed God to come in and change, uh, to change their lives. You talk about a time in your own life when, I mean, I remember back in those days when you're touring all the time and you were yeah. worn out and you're depressed, exhausted, but it also looked like the very thing that was your gift was about to be taken away from you. What was happening in you during that time? Well, I have to tell you, I was, uh, when I graduated from college, I was a voice major, so I understand how the, how the instrument works. But sometimes doing two or three concerts a day, you know, any, it, that's abuse, it can catch up with you. Sure. And God didn't do that. You know, the Bible says that good and perfect gifts He gives. And, uh, but He certainly used that time in my life to teach me a great lesson. Um, I, was, um, I was going to doctors all over the country they would hear a recording and they'd say, well, I don't know if you're gonna sound like that anymore or if you're gonna sing at all. And boy, that at all part, that's, that's what got my attention. Um, Mitzi, my wife of some 46 years and I had been on the road uh, for, a couple, for a couple of years. Um, she was pregnant with our first, heading home uh, to be with her doctor. Um, she had, uh, we had found a little house very near her mother <laughs> that, uh, that she wanted to buy, and so we had entered into that agreement. And now I can't sing, there's, there's not a lick. I could sing two or three, 
two or three hours, and then it was gone. What was going on? Yeah. Well, I had the, I had the formation of nodules. It's like little corns on your hand, on the vocal folds, on your vocal cords. And so I was going around to doctors all over the country, and as I say, they didn't know if I was going to sing or not. So I got to tell you, I was pretty angry because, you know, we're out there... Um, stumping for the Lord. We are yeah. telling people about Christ. So I was a little, I, I went through that phase and I mean, it was a, it was not a good phase. Then I went through that pity phase. Why me? Why, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I mean, what is, what is this all about? But come to find out that God used at that time, but it wasn't about voice at all, other than my letting it go. When I got out of college, I mean, I could I could sing high and loud, and, and I did that quite often. But it wasn't about that. It was about trust. I was trusting in what I could do. But God had, had another plan. He wanted me to trust not in that, but in Him. Mm. And it took uh, just living in the Bible to, to understand that. I had come off the road. I was anemic. Uh, I was sick. And uh, boy, I just stayed in the Bible. And I'll, I've always enjoyed, enjoyed the Bible and loved reading it. But this time there was something different. There were words jumping off the page. And, and finally, after writing notes for a year. Uh, just to I, communicate. Just to communicate. And you know, if I, I may whisper to you, but to um, really communicate, I, I was writing notes. And so it got to the point that I knew something was happening in my life when I was able to say, if I'm not going to be able to sing anymore, which I love to do, then you must have something awfully good coming. <laughs> and because I know, that's right, because yeah. I know that um, the bottom line is you want me to serve you. And, but he was saying to me, we're not going to trust in the world. We're not going to trust in all of those things. We're going to trust, we'll put your trust in me. And uh, boy, that's a lesson that I've never, never forgotten, to have the opportunity to, to, uh, that he has given, to put myself in the place where God can do his work in my heart and my life. There's just nothing that beats that. But God didn't just restore your voice. I mean, it's, I, I was <laughs> looking at the back of your book, the number of Grammys and Dove Awards and, mm -hmm. I mean, huge awards, but there's something, I mean, I've always <laughs> thought your wife was darling, but there was just something about the first Grammy Award that you won. I mean, that's heady stuff, people. You came home and tell us the well, note. That listen, was... it was not one, it was two. I'd won two Grammys and I oh, got, <laughs> yes. And we were both out there. Okay, so we get home and she has a little party for me and uh, invited friends and family over and some dignitaries. And so I, I, I just knew that the next morning it was not gonna be business as usual. It still happens, I have a note. Uh, the first one I get up in the morning, I go to the kitchen table and there's a note there and it's telling me what I'm supposed to do for the day, giving me my chores. <laughs> None of you leave those. I can understand that. <laughs> and the note said, I still have it. It said, you know, Larnell, proud of you, love you. And uh, would you take out that trash? <laughs> And make certain you get the trash that you missed in the, in the garage. You, you missed that the last time. Listen, I was going to the trash can with newspapers that had my picture in them. I mean, I was just, it was, it was amazing. But, uh, you know, that's, she is just an old country girl, get on a tractor and drive it, uh, shoot a shotgun. I mean, she is just that kind of girl. And uh, helped me to understand what, the, what Grammys and Devs were all about. 
they are just tools that have helped me get my feet in some doors that I would not otherwise get in. After you went through such a struggle and, and had to give up everything and not even know if you'd be able to sing again, when you were able to sing again, what was different than before? Boy, it, there was just, uh, um, there was weight. Mm -hmm. uh, Holy Spirit weight. It was no longer just notes and chords. It was no longer just singing a particular melody, but really uh, uh, communicating what uh, I know that God wanted me to communicate. God's love, grace, peace, and the fact that he wants more than anything else to be the center of your life, mm -hmm. but first the center of mine. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you can communicate that. In fact, it was not, I, I joined church when I was 12 years old. Um, but I didn't really become a Christian until uh, after college. I met an old boy named Stan Morris, and he was a trombone player, a fabulous a professional musician. And he asked me a very pointed question. You say you're a Christian? What, is that, what does that mean? And, uh, you know, I'd been in church all my life, Pentecostal holiness for a while, and Baptist church. So I had all the answers, and I started spitting all those answers out to him. And you know what? He, he was backing up on me. He wasn't, he wasn't agreeing with me. <laughs> you know, I was expecting that. And then he said, Larnell, has there been a time when, that you can remember that you asked Christ to come in your heart? And I, 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 hadn't, I, I couldn't remember doing that. Wow. Hmm. And it was in Brighton, Michigan. I know the place. I know where we were standing. That I asked Christ to come into my heart. And uh, that was the beginning of a whole new uh, era in my life. You know, not only was I uh, at that time, I was auditioning actually for the Spurlows. Not only was that um, a, a change in my life, but it was a change in my priorities. What is, what is God, you know, what does God want me to do now? I had never thought that way before. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's, wow. that's when it happened. What, what, a, what a great, great testimony. I, I, Sheila, I'd love to hear a song. You want to hear Would a song? Would you sing for us? Oh, I'd love to. Would you like yeah. to hear Larnell sing? delight us and we fail to look above when we withhold from others though we've been given much if the fire of our first love's not burning bright as before disturb us Disturb us, Lord, when we're not in your word and we don't spend time on our knees. When we have a chance, but we don't speak the truth that sets men free. If we don't worship you with fiery passion anymore, this Disturb us, Lord. 
you comfort the troubled. But other times in your great love, you trouble the Disturb us, Lord, if our lives never touch the lives of those still in the dark. If we don't live with hearts that break, with things that break your heart. In tenderness, please lead your church back to your heart once more. Disturb us, Lord. I mean, your voice, I mean, you're not supposed to keep getting better. Oh, my, dude. But not only that, just the anointing on that message, Larnell. I mean, I, that is like a prophetic word for us. I believe that God us. needs to shake us up every once in a while. He does that yeah. mm -hmm. such that we can take part of the wonderful things that he has for us. Yeah. I mean, the disciples, that's what he was doing. I mean, here is, here is life and death in the balance. Mm -hmm. And they were asleep. That's, that's a human thing. And then he wants to wake us up so that he can be the central part of our lives. Amen. Mm -hmm. Powerful. I'm guessing, I mean, we know from your testimony, there have been some disturbing times in your life. Has God not used every disturbance to get your attention to draw you closer to him? You know what? That is, I believe, I wrote a song once that said, um, if not for the storms and I was surprised at how many people don't, don't subscribe, don't understand what I was trying to say in that song is that, you know what, uh, uh, um, trials are a part of my Christian growth. Absolutely. God, God uses those times to bring me closer to him. And I, will, I wouldn't know that I even needed him. I wouldn't even understand who he is at all if it were not for the storms and I run to him for shelter and mm -hmm. comfort and peace. And I'm betting that every storm you've been through, you look back and see that God hadn't abandoned you, but he was right there with he you He was all. right there with me all the time, all but you know, you have to learn it again. Yeah. You have to go through it again many yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. You know, Sheila, there's a lot of people right now riding out some really tough storms in life, some very, very difficult times. But 
they can be reminded that God's with them. Absolutely. Through you and I. Yeah. Would you watch something with us? It's really important. And then we'll tell you just how you can help. Thank you. I'm here with little Bernardo, who's two years old, who's fighting for his life, dying in a malnutrition clinic because of a tragedy called starvation, a lack of food. And I wish I could tell you that I believe Bernardo will actually leave this clinic, but I don't know if he will. Because unfortunately, more children that come into these clinics don't leave than what leave alive. See, you have the luxury of changing the channel, and I really hope that you don't do that right now, because I actually need you to do the opposite and to see the reality of what's on your screen. You say, but how do we change that? What, what do I do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can give a gift right now that is literally a gift of life. The best gift you could ever give. The gift of life to Bernardo. You can reach out and you can give that gift to multiple children. To children out in the villages where there isn't enough food. Children that haven't got to malnutrition clinics yet. If we meet them before they're in this condition, we know we can save them. We do it time and time and time again. We can guarantee that we save their lives. When they get to where Bernardo is right now, when their arms are the thickness of my thumb, then I can't guarantee anything, except that I'll do my very best. Please, do your very best today. Give whatever gift you can give, because that gift is a gift of life. I appreciate so much Isak being willing to go there. It's hard to be there. It's hard to watch those pictures. But you saw many times that, that bright orange bowl. That's something we provided. That's something actually you provided. Every bowl represents a meal. Every meal represents life. And every time we give that, we give those children hope. This would be an impossible Thing to do if we didn't know that we are in a position, that God has put us in a position to reach out and save lives. That's what mission feeding is. It's life, it's hope, and it's all in the name of Jesus. So we have an incredible opportunity here to reach out. Our goal is 400,000 children that we want to feed, and not just once or twice, but on an ongoing basis. We ask you to join us so that we can give food for three months at a time. $30 will give food to three children for three whole months every day. That's, that's revolutionary. Sheila, I know you've been there. You've seen what just that simple bowl of soup every day will do. I know, and I remember something your mom said that we, our commitment is that the line would never be longer than the food that we have to offer them. I mean, that's what we said to so many of the villages that we've gone into. Um, and we're going back again. Randy's going to Angola. I'm going to Burundi. And we've, we've said that to the, to the chiefs, to the teachers, you know, we will not forget you. We will not come home and just suddenly think, well, you know. In fact, somebody said something to me and it made me so mad. They said, um, well, don't you think they get used to that over there? Do you think any mother on this earth gets used to putting a child in a grave? Abs there's, no, there's no way that a mother would get used to that. 
I've watched this one woman who said, I wish Sundays there was a stairway up to heaven because I've got more children up there than I do down here. And if it was, if there was nothing we could do, if it was some terrible out, you know, disease that we couldn't help, but this is so curable. It literally takes one bowl of food and it's not just, it looks like super oatmeal, but it's specially made over there in our factories to provide every kind of vitamin and nutrient these children need. And I've seen it. The first bowl begins to turn them from death to life. And then we've earned the right to say to them, hey, do you know there's a God in heaven who loves you? But they can't hear you when their stomachs are empty. And those mothers are saying, please, would you help us? $30, I mean, you can blow that just going to see a really bad movie and some really bad popcorn. So we can decide to stop living for ourselves and say that we're here as Christ's arms and hands and feet and heart. So please go to your phone, give the very best gift you can. And then we can go back to those places and say, we're bringing help and we're bringing it now. Please make the best gift you can. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. With your support, Life's Mission Feeding Outreach can save lives by feeding and caring for children in the hardest-hit areas of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. And with your gift of any amount, we'll send you Proverbs Power, Successful Communication. This powerful CD series, along with study guide featuring Stephen K. Scott, unveils the secrets to incredible wisdom found only in the book of Proverbs. This series will give you the tools to transform your relationships in life. With your gift of $100 or more, request the complete Proverbs Power Library, featuring five power-packed sessions that include the power of vision, breaking through mediocrity, and much more. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. Thank you so much for helping. If the phones were busy, please call again. It really matters. These children need our help right now. And we've had the incredible privilege of having Larnell with us. This is his book. You're going to love it. It's called Shaped Notes. And for any gift at all, say, hey, I want to get Larnell's book and we'll be glad to send it to you. But Larnell, thank you. What a joy it's been to have you on the show. Well, it's been a joy to be here. Thank you so thank much. You thank so you so much. Amazing. Fantastic. And so for Randy and I just want to say thank you for being with us. Remember, we love you and thank you for loving others. In Jesus' name, we'll see you next time. Thank you.
If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come be a part of the Life Today studio audience. Call or email today to reserve your tickets. You'll be inspired and entertained. You can't really love someone without telling them the truth, and you can't tell them the truth without loving them. Nick Vujicic, next week on Life Today. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.